Good morning. This is 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. This is the service for April 11th, 2021. I'm going to start by reading from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power and risk, excuse me, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. That is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Father, I am so grateful for another week, um, another beautiful day of rain or sunshine. We never know in this season. Um, But Lord, we thank you for uh, uh, the surprises you bring us every day. God, be with, us, be with us now as we hear your word, as we pray, and as we come before you um, uh, seeking uh, forgiveness and uh, uh, blessing and, and uh, just uh, a better understanding of our lives. God, I pray that we would find um, your will um, and we would seek your glory. Lord, be with, be with us now. We thank you so much for everything you've done for us, including uh, especially uh, Jesus and his life, his death, and his resurrection. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Feel free to stop the recording now and uh, worship the Lord. The psalm reading this morning is from Psalms 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for the blessings you give us in this life, for the mercy that you have shown us through your Son, for for his death, burial, and resurrection that we uh, continually celebrate, um, for just new, new days, for sustaining us through uh, the challenges of life, through sickness and through mourning, uh, but also giving us your peace and giving us the joys of this life. Father, for all these things, we give you thanks. We pray your blessing on the church at Ackland. Um, and as the psalm mentioned, uh, we pray for, for unity. And we know we find that unity in the blood of your Son. Father, bless us through this worship service. Bless us in the months ahead as we 
uh, navigate um, things reopening and coming back to to being in person more often. We just pray for your patience and your mercy. Um, Thank you so much for all you give us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. Good morning, church. For 16 months before we got married, Beth and I dated long distance. We lived 2,000 miles apart. We talked on the phone, but this was when cell phones were new. I think only one of us had one. We didn't have texting, and we certainly didn't have Zoom. Have you ever been in a long-distance relationship? A dating relationship, or maybe just a relationship with family and friends who live far off? I mean, Beth and I, we stayed in touch the entire time. We talked regularly. But we weren't together in the same room. We couldn't see each other's eyes. Uh, we, we couldn't touch, like we couldn't hold hands, hug, all that stuff. And we got to see each other finally. There was so much anticipation and excitement. I learned a lot from those times, which I've reflected on as we slowly come back to more face-to-face connection. First, I learned that it's an amazing feeling to finally be together. It's truly incredible and exciting. Second, I learned that you have to give yourself a little warm-up time. So like on one hand, you pick back up where you left off, but on the other hand, you have to adjust to being together. Like it's different being in the same room than just talking on the phone or nowadays seeing each other on Zoom or writing letters. And if you rush it or come on too strong, it can be too much for others. Third, because of that, you have to set realistic expectations. If you put too much pressure on being together, the relationship may not be able to bear the load. If you think, oh, when we're finally together, it'll be perfect and magical. Well, nothing, no one can completely live up to that, right? I think our situation coming back from the pandemic is very similar. It's like a long distance relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or just seeing your parents or grandparents a couple times a year or something. There's a lot of anticipation about being together in the same space, looking in each other's eyes, being able to touch each other, handshakes, hugs at some point, you know. There's a lot of similarity in that and what we're going through now as we're slowly coming back from the pandemic. Obviously, the pandemic's not over. We're still doing protocols. But as we slowly come back a a little more, this dynamic is at play. Think of another social dynamic that's like it too. For you adults out there, have you ever gone back to a high school reunion? Like a 10 year, 20 year, maybe even longer? I mean, it's so exciting to go back to those relationships, to go back to those places. Just the other day, I had the blessing. I went back to my old high school. I graduated 25 years ago this May, and I spoke to the high school seniors there. And it was great to be back. But you can't completely go back, right? Um, I walked through the halls of my old high school, but yet I'm 43 now. My life is very different than it was then. And so I, I can go back, but I can't completely go back. It's a memory, not reality. And that's the feeling of being at a reunion. It's the same people, but everyone has changed a bit. And sometimes with some people, you connect as if you never really left, and other times you're like, what did I ever have in common with these people, <laughs> right? 
when everyone scatters for a long period of time and then comes back together, it's going to be a little different. So let's think of this as a church. Our last normal Sunday was March 8th of last year. And throughout this experience, I've had this regular thought. I want to go back to that time. When this is over, I want to go back to that normal. And this morning, I want to say something that's hard, but I believe it's true. We can't go back to that time. It will never completely be like it was then. We've experienced perhaps the most significant communal crisis of our lifetimes. We're all a little different now. We've all changed a little bit from this experience, maybe even a lot from this experience. And we did not all interact the same way during this experience. And that's, that's okay. Like, it's perfectly okay, but it's still true. So we're going to come back from this in different ways and at different times. And when you have a community of 150 people or so, and that's Ackland. You know, we've got 150 people or so total. And everyone has changed just a little bit from this experience. And then we all come together, and if you add up all those little changes, that's a lot going on. You've probably heard the saying, you can't dip your toe in a river twice. Because a river is always moving. And if you dip your toe in it one day and then go back a year later, well, that's different water. It's not the same. So this is going to lead to some awkwardness. And this will demand some grace and maturity. But this will lead to some great possibility. This is not the first time God's people have had to adjust to a life-altering event. In fact, what we're experiencing pales in comparison to the changes brought by the death and resurrection of Jesus. So let's explore how they handled that. Our gospel reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Gospel of John, chapter 20, and this is after the resurrection of Jesus, 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is God's word. So, there's a lot in there, and I love this passage, and I preached on it before. But I want to specifically, as we're thinking about what it means for us to do more and more as a church, I want to think about kind of the differences in experience in the disciples. So, Notice that some of the disciples 
met the risen Jesus. Yet Thomas didn't at first. So they had an imbalance in experiences. And this led to some difference and some tension. Because this had been a life-altering event, and because some of them had met the risen Jesus, but Thomas hadn't yet, they had differences in experiences, and these differences in experience led to different perspectives and a little tension. They didn't all come to it at the same time. They had different experiences, but yet they were patient with each other through it. You can see Jesus' patience with Thomas during this. Like, I think there might be a temptation to read that as him scolding Thomas. I don't see it that way. I think this is gracious patience as he approaches Thomas here. He doesn't scold him or embarrass him. He brings him along with grace. So in this we see Jesus called them all to a unified embrace of the kingdom, built on the gospel of the resurrected Christ, but a unified embrace of the kingdom. But he called them to be patient with each other through it all. That might come to different aspects of it at different times, right? As some disciples saw him before Thomas had, and then Thomas came to it later. The morning reading from Acts shows the results of this. Okay, this is Acts 4, 32-35. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. This is God's word. So this is the goal for us, fueled by the Spirit. This is the goal for us, to be patient with one another and through this life-altering experience, come together as a unified church and do life together. What you see is, after the resurrection, this group of people was deeper and more loving and more like Jesus than before the resurrection. And it is my hope that we can be an even stronger church after this experience than we were before. A unified group of people asking deep questions, trying to do God's will. So as we pursue that, coming back from the pandemic, I want to share four crucial steps for us as a church. And this has been stuff I've been meditating on for about six months. So four crucial steps for us as a church. Number one, we've got to grieve the loss. If you don't grieve the loss, like the next step, you may never get there if you don't take some time to grieve it. We're never going back to exactly how things were before. And that's hard. We spent some time last week, I hope you were with us in person or on the podcast last week or outside, because um, we spent some time reflecting on all that we've lost. We, we wrote it down, we made a list, we offered it up to the Lord, we tried to have a time of, of grief and then a time of hope as we focus on the resurrection. But take some time if you haven't and just grieve all that's been lost, because the pain of that is real. And, and not just COVID, think of that in terms of just the life cycles of a church, because all churches have life cycles. I mean, some of you have been with us a few weeks, and some of you have been with us decades. So some of you recall the days when you came to Akron as college students. Those days were great, amazing memories, but those days are gone. We talk about the excitement and the craziness of the baby boom when it's like, we didn't have teenagers, but there were just kids everywhere, and there was 
it was a loud, raucous auditorium with just babies crying all the time. And recovering from the flood in 2010. Like, those days were intense, but those days were great. But those days are gone. For those of us who have been here for a while, we have amazing memories of, of the older crowd. The Crouches, the Eubanks, Judy, and others. Um, Prills. Those days were great. Some of my favorite days. But as many of them have had to move into assisted living and retirement homes, the days of most of them being a weekly active part of Ackland, it's, it's gone. We must treasure those memories because I was here for some of those memories, some, some of my weren't. The ones I was here for changed my life. I'll forever be thankful for those memories. But that's, that's in the past. We must treasure the good memories of our church's past, but we must look forward. The death and resurrection of Jesus teach us this. Grieve the loss and look towards the future in hope. Number two, take your time, but set a time. So we've been committed to this throughout. We want to be wise and discerning about COVID. We've sought precautions and protocols, and we will continue to have precautions and protocols. And we want to give space for people to make different decisions about how and when they come back. And we've sought to refrain from judgment on all of this. Moreover, as you come back and we do more, you're going to have to warm your muscles back up. Like your social and kind of communal spiritual muscles. It, you're not going to be able to go zero to 60. I, I regularly run, but I know this. If my life gets busy and I go a week or so without running... That next run is going to be hard. <laughs> it's going to hurt. Um, I don't need to push it too hard. For most of us, we've gone a year without being among groups of people, like large groups of people in person. So don't put pressure on yourself to jump in the deep end of the pool. It's okay to get in the shallow end and adjust to the temperature of the water. Like warm up a bit. So take your time, but set a time. Make a plan. When are you coming back? Now, there's no wrong answer. But, but find an answer that works for you and your family. Are you waiting to be vaccinated, for your kids to get vaccinated, for Dr. Fauci to tell us we don't have to wear masks anymore and that there's no risk? and There's no judgment on any of that. Right? We've tried to be a judgment-free space on this. Like We want to be wise, but we want to allow people to do what they need to do when they need to do it. There's no judgment on your time, but my encouragement is this. Set, set a time, like when this happens. Like these are the factors that would need to be on the ground because um, we, we want you back. We love you and when the time's right. No pressure, no rush. Well, we want you back. We, we need you back. We need, we need your gifts. We need your gifts that God has given you. Number three, let's give each other grace. Let's remember the patience that Jesus showed Thomas, and let's extend that type of grace to others. Let me be blunt. You may have some resentment in your heart about events of this past year. I confess I've had some strong emotions over the past year, and it may be towards people you're close to, maybe people at Ackland, it may be people outside of Ackland. It may just be kind of towards the Christian church in general, okay? You may have some, some hard feelings and some resentments. Let's remind ourselves that according to Jesus' teaching in Matthew 18, when it comes to resentment, we have two options. 
we can go directly to the person in pursuit of reconciliation, or we can learn to let it go and to forgive and just move on. We can go to them, or we can come to peace with it and forgive on our own. Now, I guess there's maybe a third option. In certain situations, the relationship may be too tenuous or toxic or situations in your life may be too stressful to the point you may just need to pause it for now and put it on hold. And that's certainly okay and permissible. But we need to pray that eventually we'll be able to reconcile or let it go. I confess I have some situations in my life that I want to be reconciled. I want to go to them and reconcile, but for various reasons just Now's, now's not the time, but I'm praying that that time will come. I don't want to be unreconciled forever, right? And reconciliation doesn't mean we have to be best friends with people. It just means we have to, to forgive to the extent possible and, and not live in resentment. Holding on to pain and resentment long-term is not good for any of us. I'll be honest, though, the dominant thing that happens in my life is this. I get frustrated at certain things. I get upset. I wonder if I should go to the person. But then, as God reveals my own sin and how he forgives me, okay, so I spend, I spend time reflecting how I'm upset with other people, and then I'll be out in the quiet, and God will reveal to me, JP, this is how, this is how you've hurt people. This is how other people might have resentments towards you. And as I realize my own weakness, and I realize how God loves me anyway. So often, the Spirit just compels me to forgive and let it go without ever approaching the person. Um, because you got to admit, like approaching someone's a little intense sometimes. It's slightly confrontational, and sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just gonna forgive. The Spirit enables me to let it go and move on because I realize how much grace God has given me. So I think the next year will be amazing for our church. But there's going to be some awkward moments coming back, right? Because we're out of practice, our muscles are low. And, you know, I was talking with um, Spencer and I were chatting about this the other day. And we, we kind of said, we need to give everyone six months to be awkward. <laughs> kind of a moratorium. It just We're all going to be a little weird coming back. I mean, I know in many ways I'm as weird as I've ever been. So, um. It's going to be awkward at times, but let's let's give each other grace because we're going, we're going to need it as we come back. Lastly, let's imagine a better future. The pandemic was a bad thing, but how can it make us a better church? We see this type of thinking in the early church, the growth mindset. The events of the cross and resurrection made them better. We see that in the book of Acts. They learned to have a kingdom imagination. And and and. They were stronger after the risen Lord than before because of what they experienced. And we can be the same. So we spent a year away from many of our normal rhythms. And that may have caused you to reassess some things. And you may have some new thoughts on how we do our life together. Worship, classes, small groups, Wednesday night, retreats, all the extracurricular stuff we do, our areas of focus, things we talk about things we don't talk about, what we spend our money on, our involvement in the community and the world. You may have some new ideas. You may have some new thoughts. You may have some reflections. You may be looking at some things in a different light. And I want to tell you this. I want to hear about it. I'm excited to hear what God has laid on your heart over the past year. And the elders are the same way. The elders want to hear it. 
the early church did not just try to go back to normal. Well, let's just go back to how things were before the crucifixion and the resurrection. Um, no, they sought to have a kingdom imag- imagination and, and be even better. And I know COVID is not the same thing as the death, burial, and resurrection, but I think it teaches us to say when a traumatic event happens, when a big event happens, how can it make us even stronger? Let's imagine an even better future coming out of this where we allow God to make us stronger, wiser, and more like Jesus as individuals and as a collective body. I loved pre-pandemic Ackland, but I think post-pandemic Ackland can be even better. But like the disciples in the early church, let's do it together. Let's do it in unity. That doesn't mean we'll agree on every single thing, but it means we agree on the main things, that we agree on Jesus, and we show each other grace as we pursue Jesus together. As our psalm reading says this morning from Psalm 133.1, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Family, we can't go back to normal, but we can go forward in unity. I've never been more excited about the Eklund Church. I've never been more in love with the kingdom of God. And I've never believed in the risen Jesus more than I do right now. Please take a moment to, uh, to worship God and to prepare your hearts and minds uh, for communion. Good morning. It is great to be with you this morning. I can virtually look out over the the uh, group today, uh, my family, and it is uh, it is great to see these smiling faces of my church family. I've been thinking about reunions lately. Specifically, school reunions like high school or family reunions. Some of you uh, remember those and are uh, maybe a few of you dodged those things. But it, was, it, it, it has always been fun for me to get together and share memories some of you may say, well, high school high school memories were bad, but at least they were memories. Um, but usually we, we uh, meet with friends and share memories of experiences that we've had. Uh, I was thinking about this in terms of uh, uh, Jesus and the Lord's Supper. Um, this is... This is the time to uh, remember. This is the time to remember Jesus. And uh, it is significant that this is the way that he wanted us to remember him. That he specifically set this up to remember him. And uh, we're grateful for that. We're grateful that we can collectively do it. So today, as we remember Jesus, we are grateful. Let's pray together.
Father, we are grateful for all the all that you give us. We're grateful specifically for Jesus and for the life that he gave for us. Father, we pray that we can uh, remember him and that we can serve him and serve you. Father, as we take this bread, which to us is his body, and we take this uh, fruit of the vine, which is to us his blood, we remember the sacrifice that he made for us. And we are grateful. We know we are unworthy, but we are grateful. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll close today with a reading from 1 John, starting in chapter 1 and going through chapter 2, verse 2. This is what we proclaim to you, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and our hands have touched concerning the word of life. And the life was revealed and we have seen and testify and announce to you that the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard we announce to you too so that you may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Thus, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now this is the gospel message we have heard from him and announced to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet keep on walking in the darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we do not bear the guilt of sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, forgiving us our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the whole world. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day that you have given us, for this time that we can gather to worship. Uh, Lord, we are thankful for your Son, who is the atoning sacrifice uh, for us, for our sins, and for the world around us. Lord, be with us as we go through this week. Um, Let us all walk in the light. It's through your Son's name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. We've got another round of announcements brought to you from the Soundproof booth at Porter Solutions. 
We'll start off with birthdays and anniversaries this week with a very important anniversary. Bill and Fran are celebrating another anniversary on the 13th, so congratulations to them. Maggie Simon turns 12 on the 14th, and her birthday twin, Amy Spivey, also has a birthday on the 14th. And another Spivey, Randy, has a birthday on the 16th. I think he's turning 55 this week. And we want to thank everyone who offered a place to meet for the retreat this weekend. We had, uh, we had some campfires and some movies, and I'm sure that fun was had by all. A reminder that the deadline to get your work camp form turned in is Sunday. That would be today, not next Sunday. So make sure you get that form emailed to JP so that he can get that turned in and all of our students who can and want to participate in work camp are able to do so. Also, classes are back this week. We're excited about that. Just a reminder, we're taking all of the uh, spatially distanced and masking precautions that we have grown to love and appreciate over the course of the last year. Uh, so keep an eye on the emails that come across for signups as we start to purposefully open back up and add things that, that we've missed over the course of the last year. We love you guys and, um, and thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.